So tonight's uh, shear is going to be on a shaila which uh, we discussed in the in the kolo this uh, this week. Uh, I'm not sure that I have an answer to the full shaila which was presented, but uh, we made some progress in the direction of the shaila which uh, which was uh, which we discussed, and the shaila goes as follows. Um, there are libraries, something which I think is typical, uh, like by Jewish uh, libraries, where they go ahead and they charge a membership fee. There's like an annual fee to become a member of the library. And then once you pay your membership fee, so you have the privilege to go ahead and take out books, uh, let's say two weeks at a time. But then what can happen is, is that uh, in the event that you're late, uh, returning the books, they charge you f- uh, five cents a week or, you know, some nominal uh, nominal fee like that. And the question is whether or not charging that fee. Now, every week that you're late, it costs an additional five cents. Again, we're not talking about major money over here. You know, people play kvittle for uh, for more money than that. But nonetheless, it's a, uh, any time that you hear about a fee which is being charged that increases week after week after week, every week that you're late, so that certainly raises the flag that maybe there's some ribis which is going on over here. And we have to go ahead and we have to figure out if indeed there is an issue of ribis and if there is not. So we're going to approach this hopefully systematically. We're going to explore um, things having to do with uh, ribis on rentals. Then we're going to see in a sense ribis on borrowing things. And then we're going to talk about libraries, and we'll see if after we discuss all of these things together, being a member of a library, whether or not from there we could go on to the part which I did not see explicitly as of yet, which is the issue of this weekly uh, late fee for those who are uh, not so quick to go ahead and return the, uh, the books to the library. Okay, but the first thing that we need to do is, obviously we need to start with rentals. So paying, now obviously, uh, yes, sorry, go ahead. Suggestion is uh, an earlier step before you do that is a a brief uh, statement of the fundamental principle underlying ribis. Okay, excellent. So the the Gemara says, Klala Dirabisa, that the general principle, exactly what you're asking for, the rule as far as ribis is, uh, as far as ribis goes, is kol agar natar aser. Agar natar is the term agar, is the Aramaic term for schar, for reward, like lefum tsara agra, that according to the, uh, the the difficulty is going to be the reward. And then natar is the Aramaic term for waiting, for delay. So ribis at its core is when I charge you money for uh, for me to wait to get my money back. If I have my money, I could go ahead and invest it. I can make a profit. If rather than investing my money, I lend it to you, but I don't want to miss out on the opportunity to turn a profit. And therefore I charge you for that. So I'm charging you as long as you have my money. So that is at, at its core, that's what Ribis is all about. Now that's going to be true on a Doraisa level. And then because uh, Ribis, even Chazal were aware of the fact that Ribis is a confusing topic, and there are many different uh, uh, financial relationships which people forge, which are similar to a regular loan type of relationship. So there are many, many uh, Isuri uh, Durabanan, rabbinic violations of ribis. 
So that's going to be one of the things which we talk about today. That's going to be with this first source over here as we talk about whether or not there could be ribis on a rental. Okay. So here the Gemara says, in, in this first, uh, uh, the, the, uh, my source sheet is on the screen in front of you. Is there? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing we have over here is Gemara Bab Metziah Samach Tes Amud Beis. So it says as follows, and you'll see in the brackets over there, you have uh, Rashi's comments, just so that we can sort of flow through the, uh, the material. So it says Sfinta. So what I'm going to do is, back in the day, uh, before they had cars, so you would rent boats rather than cars. So when it comes to the rental of a boat, so Amara, so Rav says, Agra Upagra. Agra, that's the term agar again, like agar natar. So you could charge a fee, a rental fee, as well as pagra, as well as depreciation. So you could say you could charge for both of those. In other words, I, I, actually, I shouldn't say uh, depreciation. I should say that you could take uh, you could take responsibility in the event that the boat the boat breaks. So I, as the owner of the boat, uh, since uh, you brought it up, Al, so, uh, Al, so we'll use you as, uh, as, as our guinea pig for tonight. But I will rent to you my boat. I'm going to charge you a rental fee for every day that you have the boat. And in the event that you return it to me broken, so you're going to have to reimburse me for my broken boat. So that's what Rashi says, meaning, Mutulaskira, I could rent it to you. I'm an Ashim Tishaber with the understanding that in the event that the boat breaks, Yishalem Osa HaSocher, you, the renter, Al, so you're going to have to go ahead and pay me back for that. So now, Amrule. Is that even if it breaks with normal use, where the renter didn't do anything negligent to it? Um, probably not. Some, some other, uh, some not in the course of usage. Okay. Now, Amrule, Rav Khan Ravasi the Rav. So Rav Khan Ravasi say to Rav, listen, you can't charge both. If you're going to charge a rental fee, so then you can't make the renter responsible in the event that the boat breaks. And if you're going to charge the renter a fee to replace the boat in the event that it breaks, then you're not going to be able to charge a rental fee. So these other Amaraim say you can't charge both. You can't charge a rental fee and make the renter responsible in the event that it breaks. What's the issue? So here again, Rashi explains. Because if I'm going to hold El responsible for the broken boat. So before I rent it to him, we go ahead and we have the boat appraised for $1,000. So that means that and if Al is now responsible to either return to me my boat or to pay me $1,000 because the boat broke. So essentially that becomes a loan. Once we've appraised the value before I give it to Al. So then, Shim Tishabar Yeshla Damim that in the event that it breaks, that Al is now responsible for the $1,000 value of the boat. So anytime the renter or a person is going to take an object and he's responsible to repay it under all conditions, that's essentially a loan. And being that, it's essentially a loan. So in, in reality, even though we're calling it a rental, so in reality, Al is... Uh, is is a, it's a, a loan of the boat to Al, and therefore in the event that I go ahead and I charge a rental fee on top of it, 
So not only am I assured of getting my boat back or $1,000 value of my boat, but then I'm taking money on top of that $10 a day for rental. So that essentially becomes ribis. That's a violation of ribis because I'm getting back more than I gave initially. And that's the opposition that Rav Kahana and Rav Asli say to Rav. Professor. Yes. Is, is Pagra uh, imply only total loss? Uh, uh, we you you talked briefly about damage and then dropped that and went for total loss. Yeah, I'm going total loss. I'm not depreciation. We're going to get to depreciation. Because uh, if you'll include damage, I've been there and done that. So you picked a good <laughs> you picked a good chunk here. Uh, okay. So I'm sure it's, I know it's happened to all of us. So. Okay. Um, so he says, now they say back, and we're missing part of the conversation over here, but we say a, a parallel case. Let's take it out of the context of a boat for a minute. But they say, so here I go ahead and, Bob, since you're right on top of Al on my screen, so we're going to use Bob for the, uh, for the cow. So I go ahead and I rent to you, Bob, my cow. And I say to you, and Hasham means we, we, we appraise its value before I give it to you. So from the outset, we say it's a $500 uh, cow, $500 bull. And Actually, it's not even that much. It's 30 dinner. So we say that the, uh, that the uh, um, uh, Bob accepts upon himself that if the, in the event that the bull dies, he's going to pay me 30 dinner as a replacement. And on top of that, and then for each month that, that Bob has my bull, he's going to pay me one sella per month. So there's a fee he accepts about himself to pay if something happens to the bull, if the bull escapes or something and it's gone, he's going to repay me 30 dinner for that. And on top of that, he's paying me a monthly rental fee of one sella per month, mutter. So that, the Gemara says, is permitted. Why is that permitted and how is that different than the boat? So Rashi explains, in this, uh, this arrangement, this financial arrangement, it's not going to be a problem of ribbis. Kid de Mefarish, like we say, because Bob isn't responsible for the value of the bull as long as the bell, as long as the bull survives. As long as the bull is going to be returned to me alive. So Bob is not responsible to pay me $30 of value. In the event that the bull market actually drops, sorry to confuse you like that, but in the event that the bull market actually drops, and by the time Bob returns the bull to me, it's only worth five dinner rather than 30, so he doesn't owe me anything for that. The only time Sheim Yuzlu Paros Bushuk, in the event that the value of bulls goes down in the marketplace, the Yamdu, they're not the Gemara, Rashi is not as dramatic as me. The Yamdu Damash shall Esrim, and it goes down from a $30 bull to a 20 uh, to a 20 dinner bull. Lo Yishalim. So Bob doesn't owe me anything in that circumstance. So, in other words, when we talk about loss of value, loss of market value, that's going to be my responsibility. I'm going to eat that loss in the event that while Bob has it, it loses value, it loses market value. That's my loss. The only time Bob is going to have to go ahead and pay me the 30 dinner, the $30, is in the event that the bull dies in his possession. In the event that it dies or 
it breaks, uh, it's a total loss, insurance declares it to be a total loss, so then he's going to have to pay me that 30 dinner, but ultimately, Bob is not responsible for its value. And if the market rises, what then? Uh, then there's not going to be an issue of, uh, then I'm not responsible at all. I'm giving him back his bull. So that won't be a problem either. And, and if it dies and the market rises, do you pay it back more? No, you only have to pay 30. I, I don't but see why do this... I pay less if the market drops and I don't have to pay more if the market rises? So what we're talking about over here is, so what we're trying to establish, and we'll see this uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, addressed by the Shulchan Aruch in the, in the Ramah, is that we're trying to differentiate between uh, a, a, what makes a rental, what makes something a rental rather than a loan. So the, the principle that the Gemara, that, that's what we're trying to define over here. We're trying to, uh, to, to uh, uh, come up with the distinction between a loan where, where ribis is going to apply and a rental where ribis does not apply. So what the Gemara is telling us over here is, is that the nature of a loan is that the lender is absolutely guaranteed. Doesn't matter what happens to the money, doesn't matter to what happens to the business that the money is invested in, no matter what, the borrower is responsible to pay back that money. There's no claim of onus when it comes to a loan putting aside bankruptcy and all of those types of things, uh, those modern inventions. But in, in halacha, there's no such thing as any onus which is going to get you off the hook from having to pay back a loan. You may not have the means to pay back the loan, but the obligation to pay back the loan remains in force forever and ever and ever, either unless the loan is paid back or if the lender forgives the loan. But in terms of actual obligation, that's something which is ongoing. In order for something to not be a loan, it has to be that the maskier, that's the lender in, in the case of a, like the loan of a car, the lease of a car or the lease of a, of a bull or something like that, in order to qualify as, as, a, as, a, as a rental, it has to be that the maskier is accepting some sort of a chariot, some sort of responsibility for loss of value. So one loss of value that, the, that the, what the, the Gemara is now saying over here is that in the event that I take responsibility, I, the owner of the bull, I take responsibility that in the event that the market drops and, the, uh, 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 and it's only worth $20, by the, time Bob, by the time Bob returns the bull to me, I accept that loss. I gave him a $30 bull, I'm getting back the same bull, but it's only worth $20. And now my asset has lost value. So as long as I accept that responsibility, it's considered to be a rental rather than a loan. Or in the event that there's going to be, in the event that if an onus happens, and that's going to be my responsibility, I eat the loss in the event that there's an onus rather than the renter, that also is going to make it clear that there is a, a renter relationship rather than a lender relationship, because as we said, if something is going to be a, a, a loan, so by definition, it means that all of the achrayas, all the responsibility is on the borrower, and the lender doesn't have any responsibility, doesn't have any achrayas, any responsibility whatsoever. I, I still don't see the difference between the bull and the boat. Even with the boat, if it... If it's a total loss, if it gets shattered on the rocks, then of course he's going to pay. But if if the boat goes down in value, um, he's still not going to get anything back except his boat. What, what, what's the, the difference in the two cases? Right. So I, I'm, my, my assumption is, is that the reason why they discuss these two cases is because I don't know if the the 
uh, boat market was uh, subject to as much fluctu- fluctuation in price. So that's something which uh, it's more likely that it's going to become damaged than the market is going to shift dramatically so that the, re- the return boat is going to be worth less. And that was probably the uh, very different than uh, by, by a bull where it's more likely that there'll be a, uh, I mean, I guess maybe it's equally as as likely, but over here, the main thing is, is that even just the achrayas for loss of market value is enough to make it into a rental rather than a loan. So you're right, there could be, there's two different principles and not to say one only applies by both, one only applies by bull, they they both could uh, could apply by, uh, by either case. Okay, so that is number one. Now, number two, sugi number two. Oh, sorry. Rav Papa says, Rav Papa Paskins, that Hilchas Asfina Agro Pagra. So the Gemara ultimately Paskins like Rav, there it's going to be acceptable to go ahead based on the, uh, the, the case of the bull. So it's going to be acceptable for the boat owner, for me to go ahead and charge Al uh, $10 a day for, uh, for rental of my boat. And in the event that it breaks, so he is going to, uh, he'll have to pay me the value of the boat because there's still going to be, as we're going to see, there's still going to be what we call perhaps wear and tear. So there may be some loss of value as a result of use of the boat. And in the event that there's going to be a drop in the market price, addressing your point, uh, Art, in the event that there would be a drop in the market, so that also he's not going to be responsible for. So as long as I bear some responsibility in the relationship, we look at it as a rental rather than a loan. Um... Okay, we'll see this uh, the, this next Gemara also, just because uh, it uh, it brings out the point uh, very well. So now we have a case. Um, source number two here, this is Gemara Bab Metzian Daf Ayin now. So it says, Ahu Duda de Bnei Marukva, the Hava Bey Mar Shmuel. So you have the children of Marukva, they were orphans, their father had died. And what they inherited was some cauldron, some large copper pot or something. So now they obviously they don't have uh, there was no life insurance or anything like that there were no government uh, you know uh, uh, programs in order to provide for these young orphan children so in Shmuel was in a sense their guardian so what did he do Takil so he would weigh this cauldron figure out how much uh, copper was there and then he would rent it out to customers and then on, and he would charge a fee for that. And then when they would return it, he would weigh it once again. Apparently, copper is subject to uh, uh, becoming uh, 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 disappearing in fire, or being worn out in fire or something like that. Oxidized. So when they, what? Oxidized? Would I get oxidized in a fire? Okay. So it oxidized in a fire. And when it would return, so it was it weighed less. And shakel agra v'shakel pachta. And Shmuel would collect from these renters, Agra, so that's the rental fee, as well as Pachta, as well as he would charge them for the loss of copper, which uh, you, you started off with 10 pounds of copper. Now you're returning to me nine and a half pounds of copper. So they, he would make them pay that as well. So the says, wait a minute, since when are you allowed to charge? If you're charging for both, that means there's no risk to the lender. And that means that it's a loan rather than a rental. That's what we just established in the first Kamar. That if the, if the owner doesn't accept any responsibility for loss whatsoever, that qualifies as a loan halachically and ribis, halachas, ribis restrictions are going to apply. So Kamar says, wait a minute, if you're going to charge a rental fee, you can't charge for 
depreciation, which results from usage, vipachta, and if you're going to charge for depreciation, meaning that it's a loan, so then loagra, so you can't charge a, a rental fee. But if you're doing both, so you're guaranteed to get back your initial value, and you're charging an additional fee on top of that quote-unquote rental fee, but that rental fee is if it's if the money is guaranteed, if the value is guaranteed to come back, then that's going to be ribis. So how could you go ahead and do so? Whatever the context of the discussion is not relevant. Amrle, so he said back to he says, eh, I'm not impressed by that argument at all. Kiha, in this case of the copper pot, Afilu Bidiknani Nami Not only is this permitted to do with money that belongs to orphans, where there's certain leniencies which apply when doing business with orphans' money too, because it's difficult for them to be able to find the uh, income. So we uh, some of the Durabanan ribis uh, uh, restrictions don't apply to orphans. But Shmuel says, in this case, you know what? This is perfectly acceptable, even for adults. Why is it perfectly acceptable, even for adults? Because there's actually three things which are, which are going to be relevant in this uh, financial relationship. Number one is, I'm going to be charging Mel uh, a rental fee for the use of the cauldron. Number two is, I'm going to be charging him for the loss of copper. So I gave him 10 pounds of copper. I'm only getting back nine and a half pounds of copper. And then the third thing, and this is what Shmuel is focusing on over here is, the third thing is, is that even the nine and a half pounds of copper, which I received back, it's worth less because it doesn't look as shiny. So since there's actually going to be, not only is there going to be a loss of copper, but the copper, which I do receive back, also loses value. So since Mel is responsible for that third part, of the fact that the copper which is returned is actually worth less. $10 of pristine copper is, uh, is at one rate, nine and a half pounds of uh, used copper is going to be at a lesser rate, the less valuable rate, like when you're, uh, you're selling your baseball card collection. So there's mint condition, and then there's slightly used, there's very used, there's you know, beat up and uh, you know, ripped and torn. So since there's different gradations as far as that is concerned, so you're in a different category or like with your used car. So there's also different ways that they're going to, you're going to appraise the value of the car depending on how used the car actually looks. So being that when I rented out this cauldron to Mel, I accept the loss that it's no longer new and now it's going to be used at a used rate. So that is a, a responsibility which I take. And therefore, uh, that is enough to consider it to be a rental rather than a loan. Because the more times you put the copper over the fire, the less value, uh, the, less, uh, the lower the rate of cop that the copper is going to be. And therefore, as a result of that, since I do bear some responsibility in the loss, it, uh, it makes sense that we could consider it to be a rental rather than a loan, and therefore it's going to be permitted. Okay, so these are the, uh, the rules which we, which we have over these are the principles which come out from the, uh, from the Gemara. So let's see uh, how Shulchan Aruch in the Ramah goes ahead and codifies this. So it says as follows, and the, the, the uh, Shulchan Aruch uses as the example the same case that the, uh, that the Gemara uses, but it's not something which is unique to that, uh, to this particular item, to a boat. It's just uh, as much as we could be loyal to the case of the, uh, the wording of the Gemara, so we always make an effort to do so. So in source three, this is in Yeridea, Simon Kuf, Ayin Vav, Siv Gimel. We say as follows, 
So in places where you rent a boat, so I'm renting the boat to Al, and I'm going to charge him a rental fee, obviously. I'm not such a nice guy that I've just let him use it for free. Uh, yeah, and then in the event, Al accepts upon himself that in the event that the boat breaks, he's going to pay whatever that is, uh, uh, whatever the uh, the cost of the break is, yes, sir, Al Schara, in addition to the rental fee. So in other words, we're talking about where Al has accepted, he's, he's committed to go ahead and pay a rental fee, and he takes achrayas, he takes responsibility in the event that the boat breaks that he's going to pay. So this is permitted. This is going to be uh, permitted. The chain, and similarly, now we move on to the next case from the Gemara. I, I could go ahead and I could rent to Mel a copper cauldron, Vinotel Haskar, and I could charge him a rental fee. As well as charging Mel for the loss of copper, going from the 10 pounds of copper to nine and a half pounds of copper. And anything which is going to be similar, all of that is going to be acceptable for me to go ahead and and uh, and uh, and uh, have a rental like that. And that's not going to violate the laws in terms of the restrictions of ribis as a loan because I'm accepting upon myself some degree of responsibility. Yes. When you say that uh, Al's going to take the responsibility in case there's an accident, is it the same if he's going to pay it out of his pocket or if it's just going to go to the insurance? Um, uh, certainly if he's paying out of pocket, even if he pays out, if, yeah, uh, uh, if he pays, even if he pays out of pocket. It's going to it's going to be okay. I was actually thinking, even if it's paid by the insurance, is what I was. Uh, if it's paid by it, out, it, of, the, out of pocket, is clear, but the insurance is not necessarily right. So the the uh, the post can talk about actually uh, um, not part of this year tonight, but post can talk about whether or not uh, how insurance will influence this in the event that it is insured, and who's giving who's paying for the insurance. Whether it's the owner who's who who has the insurance or it's the renter who has the insurance, how exactly that would influence halacha? So, God willing, at some point in the future, we'll have another share about uh, about that. But now, the reason why this is okay, so as we said in the case of the bull, in the case of with the, with Bob's bull uh, or my bull that I'm uh, r- uh, renting to Bob, and that's because in the event that either one of these things lose market value. So I am accepting upon myself that loss. So being that, I'm not guaranteed to, that even though I gave a $30 item, I'm not guaranteed of getting a $30 item back. So that's why we could consider this to be a rental and therefore it is going to be, it's going to be permitted. That is Shulchan Aruch's opinion. Comes along the Ramah and he says, It's only going to be true, These, this, this allowance to charge a rental fee and also to accept a chariot if something happens to the item, that's only going to be true. It's only going to be true in the case, and now he, the Ramah is of the opinion, he's machmer over here. He says it's only going to be true really in, from the Gemara's case in the case of the cauldron, because what's being returned is something which also 
loses value because it went from uh, um, pristine copper to now burnt copper. And burnt copper is going to be uh, is going to be at a different rate. So it's not enough just to accept a market value loss, but there also has to be the understanding that there, even what I'm I'm getting back is is lost has lost essential. Uh, it's lost inherent value rather than market value. So even that, I have to, the only way that this is going to be permitted is in the event that I accept that uh, responsibility on myself. Um, right, and that's what the Taz really says over here. In source five, sorry to, to skip uh, uh, around, but he says, by utensils we say, that when I go ahead and I'm charging Mel, a fee for the rental of the uh, of the cauldron, so it's not considered to be a loan, and uh, that's not why he's paying me when it uh, when the uh, he gives me back um, he pays me for the loss of copper going from ten pounds of copper to nine and a half pounds of copper. The reason why this is con- this is not considered to be a loan is because. Uh, it's because uh, he is. Uh, I am accepting upon myself um, uh, the uh, the loss of value of copper, not the loss of copper, but the loss of value of copper that results from it being used, from going from new to use or from non-burnt burnt. And that loss of value going from new and, uh, uh, and not used to something which is used. So that is what I, the master, I, the renter, go ahead and accept upon myself. And as long as I accept upon myself that level of responsibility, so then we're, uh, that, that's enough to consider it to be a rental rather than a loan. Okay. Um, so let, let's, there's, there's the shach over here, uh, which... You know, I think we really spoke out, and then another idea in the in the in the Shocharach in source six. But we're going to put that aside also, just because we want to make sure that we get through this. So so far, just to summarize, where we're holding until now. So we we are now aware of the fact that anytime there is a rental of an object, and there's a rental fee which is being charged, so there's a potential risk for ribis because we always have to differentiate between what is halachically a loan and what's halachically a rental. And the key issue, which is going to differentiate, even putting aside the machlokis, the machabra, and the armat, to what degree that is, but the key issue, which is going to differentiate a rental from a loan, is the acharias of the maskir or the acharias of the malva. Does the owner have any responsibility towards the object which is being returned? Uh, um, and he may suffer a loss, or is he shielded and protected from any loss whatsoever? Anytime the owner, we'll say for simplicity, anytime the owner is shielded from any loss whatsoever, that is categorized halachically as a loan, and therefore ribis is going to apply. So therefore, if I get back more than I gave you, that's going to be a violation of ribis. If I, as the owner, have responsibility, accept upon myself a potential loss, either because if an onus happens, it'll be my loss, or if there is a, uh, uh, or if there is going to be a loss of market value, or something like that. So then, once I'm accepting some sort of achrayas, that's going to make it, that's going to shift it over from a, uh, a a loan, which carries with it restrictions of ribis, and it puts it into a rental, which does not have uh, issues of ribis, and that's going to be the critical feature of who has achrayas, 
whether or not the borrower is accepting all responsibility or some of that responsibility is going to rest on the shoulders of the lender. Okay, now what's going to be the story with a uh, with borrowing? Is borrowing something? Um, Um, so let's see where, where, how I should sequence this. Um, okay, let's uh, let, let, let's see this now. So the, the Siva Shalom, this is not uh, the Nesiva Shalom, which is a Slonomer, which is uh, usually when I talk about the Nesiva Shalom. So it's talking about the Slonomer Rebbe, and we're talking about the Hasidic Torah, which, uh, which, uh, which, uh, which we uh, have done very often. But over here, in this regard, there's another sefer, just to confuse us, called Nesiva Shalom, but this is a very comprehensive sefer on Hilchos Ribis. So here, this is going to be important as we move ourselves closer to the case of the, uh, of the library. So he addresses the following uh, Shiloh. He says, and again, I can't do word by word, but he says, Yesh la'ayin besocher kli meshumash. We have to uh, consider about the halacha in a case where you rent a used keli, shekibel el atzmo, where you go ahead and you accept upon yourself, shim hakli ye'enas, yikne lemasker kli chadash. I will go ahead and if something happens to the keli, I will replace this missing one. Now this is something which happens very often with let's say a gemach, where they, they, uh, where they say, that, listen, we'll rent you a uh, um, uh, um, some crutches, we'll rent you a wheelchair, we'll rent you whatever the, uh, you know, the, uh, the medical device is. And in the event that something happens to it, you have to go ahead and you have to, you have to uh, provide us with the replacement. Sometimes when you have wedding gown gemachs, so that will be their policy, that in the event that you return the, uh, the dress, not in the same condition, in very bad condition, so we're going to hold you responsible to buy us a new dress. So now this create this is an interesting thing. I paid $300, let's say, to rent the dress. And now if it turns out that somebody spills uh, coffee on it or something, so now I have to go ahead and I have to buy them $1,000. dress. I have to buy them a new dress, which will cost $1,000. So seemingly that should be a problem of ribbis. Because if I'm on the hook to replace the dress, uh, to buy you a new dress in the event that something happens to it, so that means that I'm fully responsible for the value of the dress. That we said, if I'm fully responsible, that essentially means that it's a loan. And if it's a loan, then you can't charge me a rental fee. So he says, we have to wonder about this. I'm, bu- I'm renting a used dress and I accept upon myself that if, I, if something happens to the dress, if the dress gets ruined, so I'm gonna go ahead and I will buy you a new dress worth much more than the used dress which I was renting. So what's the Shiloh? Do we say it's like any renter, quote unquote renter, who accepts upon himself that in the event that something happens to the rented item, I will pay you the value that the uh, uh, object was worth at the time that I rented it, which means I'm guaranteeing you the value of the object that you are renting to me which is what we now know is essentially a loan, is effectively a loan. And that's going to be Aser, according to those opinions which say that anytime you're, the renter guarantees the full value of the object, it's considered to be a loan, and then you're not allowed to charge a rental fee. That would be ribis, skipping the brackets. 
Oh, the name, or perhaps we could say in this case, Shesachar Klima Shumash, because normally when I rent a used item, and I have to go ahead and I have to, uh, and I'm, I'm obligated to pay you for a new object. So how much is the new dress going to, uh, how much is the, sorry, how much is the used dress worth? The used dress, let's say, is only worth $300. And if something happens to it, I now have to give you a $1,000 dress because I have to buy you a new one. So that is not, that, that's not the same thing as guaranteeing the $300 value of the used dress. When I go ahead and say, if I do something to your $300 dress, I'm going to buy you a $1,000 dress. It turns out that I am paying for loss of value, which occurred before I ever got my hands on the dress. When you bought the dress new, it was worth $1,000. It was worn, it was rented once, it's now worth $800. It was worn a second time, it's now worth $600. It was rented another time, it's worth $400. And now it's being rented this next time, it's only worth $300. So I'm responsible for $700 value of loss, of loss value, which occurred before I ever rented it. So how could you hold me responsible for the value of something which it didn't have at the time that I rented it? And he says, So this is not considered to be a guarantee of returned value, but this is considered to be a penalty. If I have to pay you, if I have to pay $1,000 to replace the ruined $300 dress, we cannot look at that other, in any way, according to this opinion, we can't look at that in any other way other than just a penalty. It's not a chryas, it's not responsibility for the value of the dress, because the dress was actually only worth $300. The fact that I'm on the hook for $1,000, that should be really looked at as a penalty rather than a guarantee. And you are not going to look at it as if that since I'm responsible for the full value of the object, we're going to look at it as a loan rather than a rental. Once you're responsible to pay more than its value is, then the Siva Shalom says that we should really look at that as a penalty rather than achrayas, rather than responsibility. And therefore, it doesn't put it into the category of a loan. It still remains a rental with a penalty. And he says, and it would seem that we could be lenient as far as this matter is concerned. So this is something which is certainly going to be rele- uh, uh, relevant as far as our library book is concerned, because we know that that's what happens. You take out a book from the library, in the event that you lose it, you don't repay them the value of a used book, right? a used book being a dollar or two that you value it in the used book uh, market. You're responsible to go ahead and pay them, whether, whether they have a fixed fee or whatever, which is the average of, of, of new books, but you're essentially responsible to pay them for a new book. So whenever there's going to be that type of agreement, should we look at that in terms of being a problem of ribis because you're renting the thing and now you're paying back more or when it's clearly much more than the value of the object is worth, it's a penalty and it's not, uh, and, and it's not going to change the essential nature of our relationship. And I remain a renter with just a penalty. So he's of the opinion we could, we could look at it as that I could retain my rental response of my rental categorization, even though there's going to be the significant penalty on top. Okay. Now, what's going to be the story with, so, so far we discussed uh, rentals. Now, what's going to be the story? Is there going to be a problem if as a borrower, again, it's confusing when we talk about English over here, but if I'm borrowing something without paying you a rental fee for it, 
So you're 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 doing me a favor, and you're you're being mashal to me. You're loaning it to me. You're 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 I'm borrowing it from you, but without the, without a fee. And then if something happens to it, I'm going to pay you back more. So the Chavazda says, the, this Chavazda in the, the beginning of Kuf Samach Aleph. It's a long uh, Sif Katan over here. We're just grabbing one line in the middle of it. But he says, the Shoel, that in the event that you're a borrower, not a renter, but a borrower for free, even if I go ahead and I take responsibility to return it to you, no matter what, like you loaned it to me, Velo Yoser, but not anything. I'm not going to pay you anymore. Rak shemischayev atzmo kishia onis sheishalem lo Yoser, but I accept upon myself the responsibility that if something happens to it, if an onus happens to it, I will repay you. So I ask, oh, you have the latest, uh, you know, the the newest Harry Potter. Can I borrow it and I'll return it to you when when I'm done? And if something happens to the book while I have it, so I will uh, I'll buy you a new book even though by the time you gave it to me, it was a used book, but I say, I'll buy you a new one. So being that I was borrowing it, I'm a shoel, not a renter. So he says, says the Chavaz Das, the mutter afilu midrabanan. This is going to be permitted, not only on a daraisa level, but even midrabanan. The zelo havi agar natar. Because this also, he uses the same idea. This is not considered to be, the fact that I will repay you with a new book is not considered to be rental, but rake and knas. But it's a penalty which I accept upon myself. Really, I only have to pay you the value of the used book. And if I go ahead and accept upon myself to pay more, so I'm just penalizing myself for my irresponsibility, and I will uh, pay you back a, a new book. But it's not something which is going to shift the relationship from a showel borrower, not paying for it, to somebody who is a, uh, to some, to a renter for which uh, there will be uh, potential issues with Rivas. Okay. So now we come to the actual library case itself. We'll uh, try to see this, uh, get, just get what we need to do. So there's two different types of things we could look at in terms of a library. We're going, putting aside the fact that we pay taxes, which goes towards the library. But we're going to look at a library, a, 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 a community library, as borrowing for free. So that's like the Chavez Das just said, that when I borrow the book for free, they don't, there's not a fee for borrowing the book. So then, even if I accept upon myself to go ahead and buy a new book in the event that I lose the book or in the event that I ruin the book, that's not going to be a problem of ribis. Because essentially, it is a she'ela. You're, 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 English is so, so not good for these discussions. You're, I'm borrowing the book for free. I'm a shoel. And therefore, the halachas of ribis are not going to apply, even if I penalize myself in the event that something happens to the book. But what happens if, now this gets to our case, what happens if we're talking about a case where you have to pay a membership fee in order to be able to borrow books? So maybe paying a membership fee already is like a rental. Rather than charging me 10 cents each time I want to borrow a book, you charge me $36 for the year, and that covers on average the rental fee of 10 cents per book or $1 per book, which otherwise you could charge me to go ahead and to be able to rent the book. So it's just much easier for everybody. You'll just charge me one upfront fee of $36. And that now allows me to be able to quote unquote rent books throughout the year uh, without having to uh, collect from me a separate fee each time. So do we look at a, a membership to a library? Is, does that create a rental relationship? Am I essentially a renter of, the, uh, of those books um, 
which could potentially uh, raise a ribis issue in the event that I'm going to be responsible to replace books which are missing or anything like that, or is it not? So here, here the Mishnah's ribis in Perak Yud Beis, how are you, Gimel? Uh, a Rav who's still alive, but he spent uh, decades and decades uh, on the uh, uh, specializing on the topic of ribis. So he writes, he says, Imasifria ain't a gova most bukopam shimashilin safer. If the library doesn't collect a fee each time they loan out a book, each time somebody comes in and wants to borrow a book, but they charge chever is a membership fee, like chaver is a friend, so it's not a friendship fee, it's a membership fee. So they charge an annual membership fee to be able to go ahead and take out books. And generally what happens in these types of libraries is the membership fee which they charge isn't to make a profit. They're not making money off of this, uh, this library. They're just trying to cover their expenses. They have expenses, whatever those expenses they have, you know, could be rent of the, uh, the, uh, the library itself. It could be uh, electricity and water and gas and all of, the, all of those things. So they need somehow to be able to cover their, uh, their costs. So they charge a membership fee in order to cover those costs. So is that going to be a problem? Of, is, does this raise a problem of ribis or not? If I, the bower of the book, am responsible for uh, the book no matter what. So he said, So I heard from a Tamar Chacham, doesn't identify him by name, that he said that this is permitted. Why? Because the membership fee, the annual membership fee to the library does not create a rental relationship. All you're doing is you're paying a fee to cover their expenses. So that everybody should be able to come in, all the members should be able to come in and borrow books for free. So the, only, the library says the only way we can make these thousand books, so these 10,000 books available for people to borrow and read is if our expenses are covered. That's the only way we could go ahead and do it. So either we could charge you a rental fee for each book that you take out, or we could go ahead and we could just cover the expenses by charging everybody a membership fee. But that's all that they're trying to do is they're just trying to cover their expenses so they, are, they should be able to rent this out for free. Either you do a fundraiser, uh, you do a charity campaign, and then one day, uh, 36 uh, you know, hours out of the year, so people will go ahead and donate, and that's how they make the, uh, the books available. Or if you don't want to do that, so you just charge a membership fee. And from that perspective, it's not really considered to be a rental because part of the point of the rental is you're trying to make a profit off of that. You're not trying to simply cover your expenses, but it's a profitable uh, venture. And he says, and this is going to be allowed when all you're doing is covering your expenses. Because even in the worst case scenario where you have an actual loan of money and the lender says, listen, if we're going to, if I'm going to go ahead and loan you this $10,000, I'm only going to do so if we have a lawyer go ahead and draw up the, uh, the contract. And my lawyer charges $250 per hour to go ahead and draft contracts. So it'll probably be $200. So it's $500 to pay the lawyer fee. So the Malva, even though a Malva, and this is a case of an actual loan of money, even though it's an absolute Isidoraisa for a Malva, to charge the lova, I'm going to lend you $10,000. I want $500 of ribis. 
But if the Malva says, I'm loaning you $10,000 and you need to cover the lawyer's fee to draft the, uh, the, to draft the loan document, and that's going to cost you $500. So if the lawyer's fee is genuinely $500 to draft that document, the Malva could pass that expense onto the Lova without violating any halachas of ribas whatsoever. Because what you're charging, we're not charging them agar nutter, going back to your point at the beginning of this year, Al, uh, Al that we're not charging a fee for, the, uh, for the, the fact that my money is going to be by you for the next year. This fee is just to cover my expense. I can't loan you this money unless I have a, a lawyer dra- draft the, uh, a loan document, and that's going to cost $500. And that's perfectly permitted. So we see from here, says the Mishnah's Ribas, that in the event that the bower is just covering expenses, so then that doesn't create a Ribas problem. And the same thing is going to be true by this library, that if the library charges a membership fee just to cover expenses, and then after that, the loans, the loan of the books is going to be for free. So there's no rental relationship here at all, and there's not going to be a problem of Ribas. And he says, Vachanami says the same thing is going to be true here. Bistam may cover that the, the assumption by the um, by the uh, uh, membership fee of the library is It's assumed that this is the intent of the parties who are involved is that it's just to cover expenses. It's not to make any money off of that. And therefore he says that to go ahead and to hold the borrower of the book responsible for the value of the book, that's not going to be a problem at all because we don't have a rental relationship. The last step, which I told you, which we may not get to, which we're not going to get to, is this the fee which the library charges in the event that they want to charge 10 cents a week or 5 cents a week for each week that the uh, the borrower is late in returning it. So that we still haven't really answered whether or not, since that's going to be a penalty, which increases over time, each week that you're late, there's going to be a, 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 a the, the penalty is going to increase, whether or not that is going to be mutter given these uh, these conditions, or that's something which is still asr. My tendency is to think that that's going to be mutter, because as we talked about giving a penalty, um, which could be more than that, um, uh, is something which is going to be permitted. But being that the essential relationship is a shoel rather than a renter, so really it should be permitted in the uh, 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 in, in any case anyways. I just uh, am uh, just a little bit hesitant to go ahead and commit to that as of yet because I haven't seen that explicitly so far. But maybe we'll, uh, there's still some, uh, some, uh, some sources which I haven't seen as of yet, which will uh, which will touch upon that. But as of yet, uh, so that part uh, not uh, not one hundred percent sure of. But you're yeah. saying though if, that if you if the borrower paid you back at the proper time, there'd be no extra charge. That sounds like that wouldn't be any interest in that case. So like you're, but if he paid you late, then you have a penalty. It's it seems more like a penalty than an interest. Right, but but let, let's say in a regular rental of an apartment. Or rental of a house. So uh, if if uh, if I'm late paying my rent, uh, so uh, obviously the uh, the landlord wants to go. The owner wants to go ahead and charge a late fee. Yeah. So in in most contracts, the most service contracts, let's say that you go ahead and you have uh, you know even when you uh, you go to your dentist. So if the dentist says uh, you know they're going to send you a bill at the end of the month, so on the uh, the the paperwork which you sign before the dentist uh, goes into your mouth. So it says that for uh, the, we're going to charge you a 3% fee for every month that there's an outstanding balance. 
So in such a case, when there's a 3% fee for every month that there's an outstanding balance, so that's called a knas hamisraba. It's a penalty which increases with time, and a penalty which increases with time is a rabbinic form of ribis. But over there, there is essentially a loan. That's the difference. Over there, there's a loan because the dentist went ahead and provided you with a service which you were really supposed to pay for at the time that he provided the service. The fact that he's not, he gives you this grace period, let's say of 30 days to pay the bill, then after that, so that becomes a loan. That becomes effectively a loan because he's giving you a service without, without uh, collecting money for it. And therefore, if there's going to be a knas hamisraba after that, so that would be a violation of Rivas. The question is over here where there's no, there's no initial charge because it's really a she'ela rather than a halva or, 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 or rather, than a, rather than a schirus, rather than a rental. So how is, can you have a knas hamisraba on a she'ela? That's really the question. Rabbi Shaffel? Yes, Bob. Okay. So I understand about the, the dent that you just mentioned, the dentist office. If you're late and there's a three percent fee on the on the balance due, but what about the? You also talked about a rental agreement, and the difference mm-hmm. there is that in a rental agreement, I, I believe this is the case, that uh, very often there may be something like there's not a separate um, water meter for each apartment, and so what happens is that the rent includes includes the water. So if somebody's late, the um, landlord is basically uh, accepting and has to pay for the cost of the water that's being used by that apartment. And so the rather than, because you don't have a water meter, rather than saying something like that, he says, I'm going to charge you uh, a late fee because I have, I'm paying the cost of some of your utilities. And so because I have that cost, I have to find a way to recover it. And so therefore I'm charging you a late fee. That's not like a dentist where the only cost is the cost of the money staying um, same segment. So I'm not, I'm, I'm just wondering if that, that is a, enough of a difference to, to uh, amount to something different halachically. Uh, so it could be in, in the event that you were to charge him only the amount which you fronted to him, you know, you pass that, pass that on. So there, yes, there, 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 could, there could be something to argue to, uh, to, to that effect. Um, yeah, there, there, there could be something to, uh, you know, to, uh, to that effect. Uh, that will depend on the rental agreement and in, in all of that, but in a regular, um, uh, uh, but it can't be more than that. It can't be more than whatever that whatever your cost is. Well, it, what I'm saying is, it's impossible to find out what the cost is because it's, it's not separately metered. So, if you make a um, an assumption, I don't know. I, I'm not not have have never been a landlord, so I don't know about this. But whatever, let's say the, the utility bills would be what the average utility bills would be. Um, if you said that, you know, I'm figuring that those utility bills are, let's say, 10% of the cost of the rental. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, if you then said that I have a penalty of 
you know, 10% a month, because that's my assumption about how much the utilities are worth, but I, it's not separately metered, so I don't know. So my question is whether you can use something like that um, in lieu of having known what the exact cost is. But, yeah, but, so but when, he, when he finally pays the rent, he's paid, that you're double billing him then for the utilities. Because when he does pay the rent, he's paid his share of the utilities. The only thing he should be able to, the only, it seems to me that the only thing that the landlord has uh, is the cost of his, of extending his credit a little bit, um, but not the whole cost of yeah, the utility uh, bill. Right. No, no, no. But I, I'm just saying, I mean, he may not have a way of knowing exactly what his costs are. So are you allowed to make a, um, you, are you allowed to make an estimate, let's say, based on the amount, the total amount of rent. Yes, Ellen's bringing up a very good point that if you go, uh, if you go, whatever amount that you're going to charge him and call the the, the penalty for uh, for paying the rent late. And now you, in the fact that you have to cover his, uh, his share of the, of the water bill, when he finally does um, catch up in his rent. So now retroactively, he's now paid that water bill, which you covered for him. So it turns out that he's paid you the regular $1,000 a month, which he owes you. And now he's paying an additional $25 because you fronted him the $25. But then eventually when he came, when he, yeah. uh, when he caught up in his rent. I'm, yeah. I mean, I think Ellen does make a good point. I'm that's, I'm not suggesting that it's not a point at all, but I'm thinking that for example, the, the, uh, what he had to do because the person didn't pay the rent is that he, let's say he had, um, he had to uh, pay the utility bill when it was due. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what his cash flow is, but it may be that he didn't, because he didn't have the money, he had to borrow money in order to get it. Right. And, and, and then that, it would cause him a cost. So, so that's what I'm. I'm just saying. I mean, I. I don't. I don't know. I don't know the landlord business, but it seems to me that there might be some, some reason to believe that um, uh, an estimate of the cost, um, you know, might be a fair. Um, but, I, but I'm not sure how you would a do fair it. Penalty. So the, the, the mice in those cases of, of rental, so we, ha we, we handle it a little bit differently uh, beyond the scope of, uh, of tonight's discussion, how exactly to, uh, to handle that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, uh, somebody, in the event that you decide to become a landlord, Bob, you'll let me know. And we'll make <laughs> sure that the contract that you have with your tenants uh, will be properly uh, structured so that uh, you should certainly not lose any money if, you're, uh, if your tenant is, is delinquent or your tenant is, is late. And that uh, you should be able to, uh, you know, get, uh, you know, should be able to penalize him, uh, which is is important tool for a landlord to uh, to have, because otherwise, what's the incentive for the for the tenant to go ahead and pay? So you need to have something which is pretty significant, so that uh, he'll make sure that uh, he pays on time. Hey, thank okay. you. Okay, Gavaldig, everybody, have a good night. Thank you, Rabbi. Take thank care. You. All the best, and have.